circle, yes, we rotate. 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin. This is occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And this week on Full Circle, we will hear two stories from two local communities here in the Bay Area, both involving police violence and police terrorism. On tonight's show, we'll hear yesterday's press conference held by the family of Sean Monterosa, a young man who was gunned down by Vallejo police from their moving vehicle. The officer that fired the fatal shots was fired, but recently rehired. We'll hear from the family, the family attorney, and community activist. In the second half of the show, we will catch up on news out of Antioch, California, on August 17th, FBI agents raided the homes of a number of Antioch and Pittsburgh police officers after a lengthy investigation into numerous crimes that were alleged to have been committed. We'll hear from Antioch Mayor Pro Tem and District 1 Representative Tamisha Torres-Walker. That's tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewill and Franklin. Coming to you from downtown Antioch, this is Bay Miwok Territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yes, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Free Will and Franklin, and I will be your host tonight. And first up, we're going to be playing a lengthy excerpt uh, a lengthy excerpt from a press conference that was held yesterday on the steps of the Vallejo City Hall. The press conference was called by the Monterosa family and their attorney after they learned that Officer Jarrett Tan of the Vallejo Police Department was being rehired by the department with full back pay since his firing in 2022. In 2020, during the height of the Summer of George Floyd protest, Officer Tan fired multiple rounds at Monterosa from a, semi- a semi-automatic rifle from a moving vehicle through the windshield and from the back seat, not even taking the time to clearly identify if there was a threat or not. In 2022, an independent third-party investigation found that Tan had violated several department policies, including unreasonable deadly force, not de-escalating the situation, and not activating his body camera. He was then fired um, and now being rehired. Here is the audio from that press conference yesterday. And just a reminder, this is from a video posted on the First Voice Media Facebook page. Check it out. All right, we'll go ahead and get started. My name is Lee Merritt, L-E-E-M-E-R-R-I-T-T. I'm the, no, I cannot. I'm the, the attorney for the family of Sean Monterosa. All right. Uh, shortly, you're going to be hearing from several members of the community, uh, as well as the Monterosa family themselves. In the meantime, um, I've come. Uh, I represent the family in a civil suit that's before the Nor- Northern District now. 
uh, before the federal bar. We'll answer some questions about that. But we're here immediately because Jared Tan uh, has been reinstated by the city of Vallejo. Uh, and quite frankly, we're here to overrule that decision. We've decided as a community that that decision cannot stand, and we will not allow Jared Town or any other terrorists to uh, supervise our communities. Uh, the res this response is not coming from me. It is coming from the Monterosa family. Uh, it's coming from the community of Vallejo. It's coming from the community and the people who are willing to stand for justice in Northern California. So what does that mean? That means every thing that we can do. Right now, this is a conference. This is a, a gathering of people who are concerned about the safety of their community, who care about policing, who care about the constitutional rights of the citizens of, the, of this region. And we have decided that we overrule the decision of the uh, some nebulous arbitrators or unidentified arbitrators. They don't get to tell us that our community cannot be safe. Right. We simply reject that decision. Uh, what that means is I personally, as, uh, as an attorney, has decided to put funds aside to hire a personal security force. We're going to identify the location that Jared Tyne has been assigned to police. And we're going to police the community from him. That spirit started right here in the Bay Area. We're bringing it back. Now, our tax dollars have gone to the city of Vallejo and to other areas, including the attorney general's office, to do that job to ensure that when there is, exists a person who's committed a crime in the region, uh, that due process is considered, but that person is arrested and prosecuted for their crimes. Right. We demand that our, tax pay, our taxpayer dollars do just that. And so we have come to tell Rob Bonta that it, time is up. It's time, Bonta. Bonta. We have come to tell Rob Bonta that his time is up. We've waited, we've been patient, we've participated. However, we are also redoubling to the community. There were other members of the community present when Sean Monterosa was murdered. There were several people present when Sean Monterosa was murdered by Jared Tyne, and those witnesses must come forward. If you don't want to come forward to the Attorney General's office or to obviously to the Vallejo PD, then please seek out this family. Seek out my office, but we need your statements as a part of the case. There will be a criminal case that goes forward against Jared Tyne. Uh, and when that case comes, we need the people of, the, of this community to stand up and tell the truth so that Jared Tan can go to prison for the rest of his life as he deserves. Yeah. We're not going to stop there because the city has proven itself irresponsible in its relationship with the uh, Police Officers Association. We are demanding uh, uh, an end to the relationship, a, a termination of the contract with the uh, the uh, police association here uh, in the city of Vallejo. Uh, we are demanding a change to the law. This family has continued to advocate for additional accountability, for additional resources for the family. All of those things will be done in the name of Sean, Sean Monterosa, despite the decision of this arbitrator panel. We're not come here to beg or plead or ask the people to do the right thing. We already understand that the people in power are not gonna do the right thing. But this community will prove that when we stand up together, when we decide what, what is the best outcome, then we can make that outcome happen. From this point on, you're gonna hear from members of the community. I have come to be a voice and to be an advocate, but this is their community and we will stand with them. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Michelle Monterosa. Thank you. I'm very short. <laughs> I'm the oldest sister of my brother, Sean. Good morning, everyone. I'm Ashley Monterrosa, also the surviving sister of our brother, Sean Monterrosa. 
As many of you guys know, from June 2nd of 2020, Ashley and I have had to put our bodies on the line to bring attention uh, to what happened in our brother's case, but also what's been happening here in the city of Vallejo before Sean. Sean is just a little piece of it. There are many more families besides our family that I can count, 18, 37 of us, who have been lied to, have just evidence destroyed in our cases, who has had city attorneys, city officials, and everybody covering up these debts, these badge vending rituals. I am here to say that we are demanding. It's been a year. Rob McConnell, you said the community would have had the badge vending report. It is time that the badge vending report comes outside and is given to the community by September 12th of this year. We are not taking any more, you know, telling us next city council meeting, next this, next that, going us to... The more delays, no more. Now, we are demanding it to be released September 12th to the community. Everyone, there's a national spotlight on Vallejo, and it is up to you and who are you in those positions of power if you want to be on the right side of justice or if you want to be bird dog next time. It's all gas, no breaks for us. We're going to continue to organize and strategize just like we've been doing for the last three years and we're gonna keep pushing and we're gonna to continue to be here in the community. We're gonna continue, we encourage folks to continue to come out. I know folks are burnt out since the pandemic and everything that's been going on, but we encourage Vallejo to really stand with us and for folks to stand with us. This is not a time to be performative. This is a time to be an accomplice with us and to really do the work and organize and bring change to the city of Vallejo. Thank you. Thank you. I will add one more thing. We know there is a pattern and practice investigation. There is a consent decree happening with the Attorney General's office in the city of Vallejo. So we hope that this is also a step in the right direction to expose all of those who are in favor of badge banning rituals. This city has allowed for unarmed civilians, black and brown men to be killed inhumanely. And it's not just about Sean, it's about everyone getting a sense of justice. And you know what the news coming out on Saturday of saying that Jared Tom was going to be reinstated, reinstated? This city wants me and Ashley to fold and give up. But if anything, expect the chair to fold because never us. And next up, um, we have council member Tina Ariola. Very powerful. I'm Councilmember Ariola. I represent District 6. I want to show you here, I'm not one for props, but I have to share this with you. It still has a sticky note on it. Um, last year, when the families came to City Hall and raised a ruckus, right, and everybody got ushered into the back room to hide from all of those scary brown and black people whose families have been harmed by the police, I had this picture on my seat by the dais, sitting right there to remind the, the people that were sitting out in the chambers that I stand with not only the Mantarosa family, but all of the fa impacted families, all right? That's first and foremost. I have never backed down from that. When we were finally allowed to come back into the chambers, this was gone. It was no longer at my desk. I looked everywhere for it and nobody fessed up to it. So the next day I sent an email to all staff members and the mayor. Oh, um, yeah, I, I left it in the mayor's office, said the IT person. And this is what I got, this dirty bent thing. So this was desecrated and that makes me very, very sad that our own city hall people cannot respect mm. this. 
This is a, a quote from the, the Times Herald, and I just want to uh, touch on it a little bit here because it's, it's kind of bad. Detective, <coughs> excuse me, defective Ton and the VPOA are thankful for the due process rights. Thankful and rights, they're using those two words together, right? Uh, in California, Ton and membership of the VPOA will continue to serve and protect the citizens of Vallejo. God help us if that's the case and that he will be unleashed, unleashed on the streets. All right? That's it. I'm out. My name is Melissa Nold. I'm a civil rights attorney. I'm representing the family of Willie McCoy. Willie was sleeping in his car when a, when a gang of six racist terrorists from Vallejo PD opened fire on him, shooting 55 rounds into a man that had been asleep. Those officers continue to patrol as terrorists in this community. When I started speaking up about what happened to Willie, about that lynching, that modern day lynching, I received death threats. People from the police union calling and saying that they were gonna gut me in front of my children. Right, that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with terrorists, racists, abominable demons. I mean, literally, we're dealing with people that are actual evil. These people have abused, targeted black and brown people in this community for decades. This, these are not, this is not rhetoric. These are not sound bites. These are human beings who have been gunned down. People trying to, draw, to, trying to go home on their bicycles, shot in the back and in the back of the head. These are actual murders. These aren't, this isn't negligence. This isn't an officer not being properly trained. These are people that have hunted, targeted, and attacked and killed members of our community. When I heard about Jarrett Tom getting his job back, it was no surprise to me because one of the many whistleblowers within the department reached out to me via email and said, Ton is working a deal to get his job back. Wow. That once they got rid of Chief Shawnee Williams, that he would get his job back. That same week, Shawnee Williams was ran out of town after getting a death threat. Our first black police chief right. ran out of town by racist terrorists. That's what we're dealing with here. That's why the DOJ is drafting a consent decree as we speak. These things have happened. The city of Vallejo, the city attorney's office, and many prior city council people are complicit. These folks right. need to be going in handcuffs themselves, not just the killers, the people that destroyed evidence. The person that handled, the person who was handling Tons termination within was the same city attorney who authorized the destruction of, of police shooting evidence that had been preserved under federal law for federal civil rights cases. That person is still handling the Monterosa case. The person was actually destroying evidence, right. right? These things are not supposed to happen. They're supposed to be checks and balances. We have none of that here. As a result of that, people have been murdered. They lied to the public. When Angel Ramos was murdered, they told the community in a press release that he was stabbing a child. Turns out that he was actually in a fist fight, unarmed, with another comparably sized person. But they tried to deter the public from having outcry, like right. they did with Sean. They publicly said that William McCoy was pointing a gun at them. Nobody ever said that. That's not true, and to this day, we have yet to see any images that show any kind of gun that was in or even within his reach at the time that they opened fire on him. But what they said clearly on that body camera is, if he moves, you know what to do. They said he's f They said don't give him a chance. And as soon as he started to move around, they, they unloaded 55 rounds at a person that they admit had not touched any kind of firearm. The DA, nobody's looking at these things. Our DA is married to a cop. 
we don't have the checks and balances here. That's why the DOJ had to intervene. Right. That's why the city is trying to cover these things up because they know these are actual crimes. These are people that should be going to prison and not just these cops, but make no mistake about it. These cops are racist, they're terrorists, they're unqualified. It has been released to me through the litigation, outside of the litigation that the city of Vallejo has been hiring people who were unqualified, couldn't pass the test open violent racists that they recruited from other departments that hundreds of applicants of color black brown lgbt people were prevented from even being able to apply for the jobs wow. and now we're in this this chaotic oh we're so afraid because we have no police why don't you have police because most even reasonably decent cops don't want to come here they've said it i've had cops reach out to me we don't want to work around violent racists everybody acknowledges that that's an issue in policing but here it's the entire command staff it's the entire rotten department and we're tired of it period and i tell you this Derek Khan is not going back on the streets of Vallejo. He will never patrol the streets never. of Vallejo. If he hurts a hair on anybody's head, we will bankrupt the city, period. Right. I warned them, I warned the city officials in 2019 that if you didn't get their dogs to heal, that we would sue them into bankruptcy to save lives. And my position has not changed. We've That's given them the chance to fix this problem, and they have refused to do it. Instead of fixing the problem, they came and threatened and terrorized and stalked me. This is 2023. This is not 1960s Mississippi, and we refuse to be intimidated and threatened. Anybody who has any information about what happened to Sean or any of these officers at the department, contact me on my website, nolaw.com. I will keep your information anonymous. We will keep you safe because this goddamn police department surely will not. Right. When I say no justice, y'all say no peace, no justice. No peace. No justice! No justice! No peace! Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Kirby Lynch, and I represent Black Women Organized Political Action, Solano Napa Chapter. I serve as our corresponding secretary. I'm here to just hold space for my brother, Sean Monterosa, who came out here to be in solidarity with the Black community when we were being targeted and hunted with the assassination of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. We had, again, our Latino brother come out here, be in solidarity with us, show up for us, and this is the result. That is why Sean matters to me, and that's why he should matter to all of us, because we are the most diverse city in the United States of America. Solano County, the most diverse census tract in America. Solano County has the most black people per capita in the whole state of California and look at the post-colonial conditions we live under. So I have a few words for you as a call of action because if you are a resident here, a taxpayer here, I know y'all know about Measure P and that sales tax, we are getting taxed here. Then and again, it's our duty and obligation to push for accountability, right? Show of hands, how many know about a public records request? Show of hands, show of hands. That's our power to utilize. We heard from the sisters what the call of action is. September 12th, where is the report? Where is the information? Any information that's exchanged on an email, a text message, subject to the Public Records Act in the state of California, it's on us to tangibly show our solidarity for this community, for these sisters, and for this family. And that is our power and that is our role, just to show up September 12th, 7 o'clock p.m., who's free? Show of hands. All right, so you know where to be, right here, right? Because we have to demand what? Accountability and transparency. I have a few words again, just to be concrete about why this moment is really important. 
I stand before you all today to rally the hearts and minds of those who deeply care about justice, accountability, and the rights of every individual in our community. This is an important call to action that awaits all of us, where we all demand that, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I'm tired of saying the same words. I know you all are. I know we all have been for the past 10 years, but we have to continue to demand accountability, not just for Officer Tom to be gone, but also for the city of Vallejo to get their act together. Born and raised in the city, the city has been broke my entire life, divested from, no resources my entire life, but it seems to always pick up the bill for corruption. As the legal battle unfolds in the Eastern District of California, again, I urge you all to declare your commitment to justice and demand for transparency. And it just doesn't stop there in the courts. But again, Attorney General Bonta, you know what to do. Step in and ensure that justice is not, is not denied. I want all of us here to gather with us in this movement. Keep showing up for this family because we must address the reinstatement of Officer Tan who robbed Sean Monterosa of his life? Come on. Who robbed him of his life? So we must demand and secure that accountability. This is our opportunity to take a stand, make our voices heard, and pave the way for a future where everybody's life is valued and every injustice is met with unyielding opposition. Let us not forget that Sean Monterosa's life was extinguished as he was bleeding, as he was innocent, shot in the back of the head, an execution, assassination, and any other definition. Right. And this tragic event marked the third time that Officer Tan had discharged his weapon at an unarmed citizen, right. continuing to erode the trust in our community with the decision to reinstate him. Together, we must rise above this injustice. Let us show, again, our support for this family. This movement is a call to action, an invitation for all of you to step forward. Please stay connected. Follow the movement on Instagram at justice number four, Sean, S-E-A-N underscore for the latest updates. And I hope to see you all September 12th. Turn up. Good afternoon. My name is Addie Kitchen. My grandson was murdered in April of 2020 by San Leandro PD in Walmart. He was in a mental health crisis. And I want the family and the community to know that I support the Monterosa family. We are a family. There are more people that are impacted by law enforcement than you can imagine yeah. all across the United States. This should not happen. Our brothers and sisters and children and grandchildren should not be murdered by law enforcement. Uh, they always holler about, I'm concerned for my safety. How can you be concerned for your safety when they're running? Right. When they have a cell phone in their hand. Right. When they're in a mental health crisis. Right. Mental health is one of the largest things that are happening in this country today. And being mentally ill should not be a death penalty, but we know that it is. So I want everyone to know that I stand with the Monterosa family. We are a family, and I support them every step of the way. Thank you. Yeah, we'll open up briefly for questions, either directed towards me, the family, or any of the other speakers. Did you say there was a, an actual Department of Justice investigation? There, there's right as we speak. 
We've been in communication with the Department of Justice for a long, long time. They ignored us for a long, long time too. They finally got to the point where they're, they're having to gather information from us because the city's been lying. The city's been providing misinformation, um, misinforming them of the status of things. I mean, just, just both face criminal level lying. And so they're currently drafting a consent decree which will include a monitor. Now this is similar to what Oakland Police Department has except for theirs goes through the federal court versus here it'll be through the state attorney general's office. Mm -hmm. But from our position, we're continuing to want to push through to have a federal monitor as well because if Bonta is to leave for some reason, the political winds could change and somebody could decide this isn't necessary. The federal judges are, don't don't get their backs scratched. They don't we don't have the same consideration. They don't they're not elected officials. Right. They don't take yeah. donations and so we've known the, the judges particularly the judge that we have in, in our matter we know to be fair and reasonable. And so we have more than enough evidence to not only get the state DOJ uh, monitoring involved, but also to get a federal monitor, which like for Oakland, that's a semi-permanent situation. They're going on almost a couple decades now. So right. we think what's happening in Vallejo is far worse than anything that ever happened in Oakland and far more provable than anything that ever happened in Oakland. We got a lot of admissions here. We got a lot of whistleblowers here. We got a lot of people that shouldn't be on our side who are on our side because it's so bad, mm. right? Former police officers, uh, retired police officers. I won't name anybody because they're actively looking for the whistleblower so they can threaten and do harm from them. So we'll never release those, those people. Right. <laughs> and, and God bless the brave people who are willing to show their faces and take on this role because as, as most of us know, it's few and far between. Um, and most of them has been, as the lady says, most of them have been mothers. It's the mother bears who have came to save this community. You know, there's a few few gentlemen here here and there, but for the most part, it's been it, mothers and fathers grieving people, impacted community members who have put their lives on the line, who've been threatened, stalked, intimidated. We didn't even get into the long history of intimidation. City council members, mayors, lawyers. It's got to be pretty bad when, in this day and age, somebody feels comfortable enough targeting me threatening to kill me. I'm an officer of the court, middle-aged, affluent white woman. If you can do it to me, God to help that. the people that are in the dark alleys, people that don't have the, the voice, the people that can't call the media because they've been terrorizing us for decades. Is this federal monitoring separate? Is, is there an investigation going on to these crimes that you're talking about into the Vallejo so it's somewhat complicated to some degree because a, a lot of people have, have, have not done their job when it comes to Vallejo. The, the actual investigation has sort of been left on the lawyers for us to have to dig up things and find the for witnesses and get people under oath and things like that. So right now we know that the FBI is investigating in Vallejo related to financial misfeasance and, and, and theft originating out of City Hall, right? We know that the DOJ from the federal level has involvement here. They won't tell us the degree of that involvement, but we're putting the, together the case through the civil courts, through mm -hmm. all of the sworn testimony, so that a federal judge can make that call. And we don't have to rely on an elected official. So that, yes, yeah, all these things are sort of in place, but that's why we have to continue to push because people look at that like we've, we've crossed the finish line and we're just getting started. So all of the people who got their jobs back, it was the same arbitrator, right? In Tan's arbitration, they didn't use the actual 
investigators. They didn't use the actual witnesses that they needed to. They didn't bring in the people that they needed because it was a sham from the beginning. That's why they were emailing me saying he's working a deal. Well, arbitration isn't working a deal. No, he's working a side deal. And you'll come to find out as the months come on, there's been a lot of side deals that have been going on around here for, for a long time. And so, like I say, we're, we're planning to shake every, every, every one of these animals up out of the tree and, and run them out of town because we cannot, yeah, we cannot, we cannot recover as a community until we get the scoundrels out. Yeah. All right. Again, thank you all so much for your time. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Say his name! Shama makes it out to September 12th at 7 p.m. We need to pack the city council meeting. They need to know that there's a community here paying attention. The city officials, city of Vallejo thinks that it's been three years and everyone has given up. If anything, we're only getting started. If the city doesn't know, we have put our bodies on the line. We have had to get arrested at the governor's house to get to where we at and we are not afraid to do what we gotta do to shed light on this darkness. It's happened since 1997, and it will end with what happened in 2020. Welcome back. You are listening to Full Circle on KPFA Radio. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. And you just heard some audio from a press conference held by the family of Sean Monterosa, a young man who was gunned down by the Vallejo Police Department. Be sure to follow their Instagram for updates. That's at... Justice, the number four, Sean, S-E-A-N, underscore. That's it. And we'll post a link to that on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. And a quick reminder, that audio was taken from a video that was streamed on the First Voice Media Facebook page. Please head over to First Voice Media on Facebook. Give us a like, and you could also watch that video there along with a number of other videos that we have live-streamed in the past. We're going to take a short music break, and we'll be right back here on Full Circle. We tired of getting harassed, incarcerated, and beat. It's stories like Robert Wagner's happening every week. The injustice didn't end with Rodney King serving protector. Hurt and neglect was the role of police. I want to show you what the dash count won't. That's innocent people getting jabs, slammed and choked. It's like the 1960s, only 50 years later. Four different police chiefs and things ain't changing what's made of. I guess because the president's black. I'm supposed to forget the struggle like I've never been black. Like if it wasn't for Reagan, we never would have been peddling crack. Or like they ain't been making us sick with the medicine vaccines. For the people, by the people is the message. What they did to my brothers was aggression. Or wasn't an expression of how they really feel. Until it's drastic changes, it's still. No justice, no peace. 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 No justice, just us get abused by police. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. Just us first corrupted police. And any given reason, they will bust in your teeth. Label it obstruction. Now you're cuffed in a seat. And it seems like destruction won't cease. So I run with untamed like a pup with no leash. We see tears and blood and they cover the streets. Trouble gets no sleep, but it's tuck in your sheets. Cause if you make your bed, it's guaranteed you're lying in it. 
Till I tried to stay asleep and wait for five minutes But my alarm kept ringing I woke up to my calling The golden Omaha and one of the chosen fallen Who got right back up and now we're going all in I heard us warm the streets and we're just soldiers marching And so I guess the next time that they pull me over Try to take my last from me Funny thing, I pay him with my tax money I'm like, no justice, no peace Welcome back to Full Circle right here on KPFA Radio, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. You just heard No Justice, No Peace by J. No. That's the letter J-K-N-O. You can check that out on YouTube, and I'll post a link on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Mayor Pro Tem and District 1 Representative Tamisha Torres-Walker out of Antioch, California. On August 17th, the FBI, after an almost two-year investigation, raided the homes of a number of Antioch and Pittsburgh police officers. Tamisha spoke on KPFA's Law in Disorder just after the raids took place. Here on Law and Disorder, I'm your host, Cap Brooks. Last Thursday morning, in the very early hours, the FBI executed a mass raid and arrest of Antioch and Pittsburgh police officers. At least 10 cops were rounded up and taken to jail for corruption, crime, and conspiracy. Joining us to discuss is Tamisha Torres-Walker, a city council member representing District 1 in Antioch. Good morning, Tamisha. Good morning. Thank you for coming on the show. Tamisha, your reaction when you learned the raid had taken place? When I first initially heard it was through residents um, reaching out to me, and my initial reaction was, okay, this this thing is is coming to a close. When you say this thing, this thing is coming to a close, say more. What do you mean by that? When I say it's coming to a close is that, you know, a lot of residents have been saying fire the officers, you know, we need to make room to start over for the community to heal. And the arrest of these officers who are now on leave, they weren't initially on leave. And so, you know, a couple months ago I said, hey, I can't attend any sessions with the police chief because I believe that there were officers still in the department that were not on leave. And I didn't want to share space with individuals who had done harm to the community by way of not knowing who all is involved. And there are already dozens of officers placed on leave earlier this year. And so now we have additional individuals on leave, which just gave me, I felt validated in my response to say, I'm not going to participate in community engagement unless we know that every offending per individual is out of the department and we still don't know that now but it did bring a relief to know that things are moving forward progressively with the fbi investigation these cops tamisha are accused of a bunch of stuff but three of them uh eric rombo Ortiza Amari and Devin Christopher Wenger are charged with a long list of civil rights violations. These are the cops who are also under investigation for sending the racist text messages, correct? Yes. Can you remind us how those text messages came to light and what the fallout was? 
those texts, you know, the the very concern that I had after all of the text messages came to light was that they would have never seen the light of day had it not been for individuals who were facing uh, incarceration time related to, you know, murder and conspiracy to commit murder, challenging their cases on the basis of these officers' abuse of their authority. Had that not case not been argued aggressively by the public defender's office um, in light of the the Racial Justice Act, I don't think we would have ever saw those text messages. Um, and that's unfortunate because that also should tell us that we've all, we haven't even seen all there is to see because these text messages were only released as it related to officers involved in this case, um, which is unfortunate. Before uh, the, the racist text message scandal, did you know of these officers? Did they have a reputation in Antioch? I didn't know of these particular officers or, you know, their potential reputation. There were a few officers who the head of the APOA people have always said that this officer was not good, that this officer um, abused uh, his authority, that he didn't need to be in the police department, and a handful of other officers, which some have actually been allowed to retire um, and have retired early as a result of the FBI investigation. But I never really heard a lot about these particular um, officers. And so it, it's challenging because we don't know everybody involved. And, but the more that it comes out, it, it is pretty disappointing to understand that it, it, it could be the whole department as far as we know. Um, but we want to remain hopeful that there are some folks for, who are left who have not abused their power. For those cops that were allowed to retire, that means they've retired with their pension and benefits. Is that right? Yes. And so Antioch taxpayers are going to be paying for these cops, these bad actors to live pretty fat. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's been the argument from the community is decertification and not allowing these individuals to walk away with any resources um, I, I've often said, you know, as a formerly incarcerated convicted individual myself, the moment we step out of an institution, we're left without resources. Um, but these individuals might get to walk away with everything, and that's unfortunate. Tamisha Torres-Walker, you and your family have your own experiences with the Antioch Police Department. Can you walk us through some of your harrowing stories? Absolutely. And and I think it's not just the police department, you know, in 20, 2020, when I was elected, you know, my sons were targeted as a result of a traffic stop. And if, and as you can see, you know, in these text messages, a lot of folks, a lot of the plans is to target our communities um, through, through traffic stops. And it was interesting to read that two of the officers involved in the initial incident when my sons actually in the text messages stated that they blamed the blacks for everything that was going on after initially telling me that their stop of my sons weren't racially motivated. On the heels of that incident, um, you know, an individual tried to set my furniture on fire in front of my house. Um, my belief was in retaliation for my position against the police department. 
Um, just this Friday, I caught on tape an individual driving by my home, threw a bottle out the window and attempted to hit one of my vehicles. Um, I've had officers come to my home on a call um, after uh, a birthday party for my son and absolutely like disrespect my family, our rights um, very aggressively. And one of those officers was immediately placed on leave because they were under federal review, tried to charge me and my son with criminal acts when they were the criminals. And I think that it's unfortunate because we don't have as many resources um, to combat this type of behavior as we should um, as residents. You mentioned that you first learned about the raid from residents that were reaching out to you, your constituents. How are the residents of Antioch reacting to this? You know, you 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 have, you know, I wouldn't say it's balanced. I mean, you you obviously have the crowd of folks who are like, you know, well, if we didn't have Section 8 in Antioch and criminals weren't allowed to move here, if we could go back to the yesteryear, we wouldn't have to worry about our beloved officers being convicted for um, for text messages because they don't believe that, you know, they they're, they believe that their First Amendment right is being violated. Then you have community members who are like, you know, is this the time where we can, um, is this it? Is there more? Do we are are we going to be facing more um, suspensions or leaves? Because mind you, these individuals aren't um, fired yet. Um, because people are concerned about what do we do to keep our community safe? We need strategies. And then other individuals are like, it's about time. We've been coming to this council for two decades, three city managers, uh, several councils, letting them know that this police department was a problem um, and everybody turned a blind eye. And so some people are absolutely relieved. They want more in the, they want more to move forward by way of police, civilian police accountability, but they also want these officers fired. Tamisha Torres Walker, what does this mean? I mean, the, the Antioch Police Department has been in chaos for months now. What does all of this mean for the functionality of the police department right now? You know, right now, I think everyone internal to the department, from my understanding, is reflecting because the the people are not everybody knew, right? They're saying not everybody knew the behavior. Some people feel disrespected. Some people feel like they were you know, working with people who they wouldn't have otherwise worked with if they would have known about this behavior. And so right now, internally, there's a lot of work going on within the department to reshape the culture and, and just for individuals who right now are perceived to not be involved because we haven't wrapped this thing up yet, is that, you know, this this culture cannot continue. And for the recruitment process, because we do have to think about you know, we do have positions that need to be filled is that if, if you believe in this type of culture, then you should walk away from the process now because that will no longer, that type of behavior and terrorism on the community will not be allowed moving forward in Antioch. I think from the position of the council, we just have a lot of decisions we need to make about how we reimagine public safety and center with the community at the center and how do we work together to move away 
from hyper surveillance and policing is our only strategy. I mean, there is a chief of police. That person is responsible for the culture and and activity of the officers. What does this say about his leadership? Well, you got to imagine, you know, since since before and since I've came to council, um, Chief Cantando, uh, you know, retired and it, you know, and the chief before him retired and then Tammany Brooks retired and, and went off to Boise, Idaho. Um, and then Chief, you know, you had a several appointments and then Chief Ford came in. Um, who who tried his best to hang on and and then decided to retire um, after um, less than eighteen months and then now we have an acting police chief so I think like what we really need to reflect on is the relationship between past city managers and past police chiefs and how we got here all those chiefs before Chief Ford and our newly appointed um, chief acting chief. Um, v Hill, they were they were responsible, and a lot of folks are saying, "Well, how could they know everything?" And I'm like, "They they're in the leadership role. It's their job to know everything." And so, you know, we're still waiting to see. A lot of the community contacted me, waiting to see will there be any accountability for these past chiefs over the two last two decades who allowed this behavior to um, fester in the in the police department, um, as well as city managers who didn't hold the police chief accountable. And I, I really can't say what, what the potential of accountability is there in this moment. Tamisha, when you hear things like they collected trophies from crime scenes, like less lethal ammunition casings that Romberg apparently made a sport out of shooting people with and put it on a mantle, what goes through your mind? Is it's disgusting. The the first thing I thought about was, you know, those serial killer marathons where they collect mementos from from their victims and they go back to visit those mementos so that they could feel powerful or in some way or get a rise a rise out of it. And it, I I think it I think it's horrible. I think it's disgusting and I I don't know what type of psychological makeup it it would take for an individual with that much authority over the community to do something like that. That same uh, officer, Eric Romberg, bragged about kicking the head of a black man like a soccer ball, like he was kicking a field goal, I think, were his exact words. How common are these stories of violence for black and brown Antioch residents? Very common. I mean, when I first initially got to Antioch, based on some of my experience, in 2020 and found out we didn't have body cameras and dash cameras that told me that residents who had been terrorized by these officers it was their word against an individual who was perceived to have the moral high ground right so we had to implement that but then so many people started to come forward and talk about yeah individuals aren't being shot by police in Antioch but they're being choked to death they're being beat to death they're being mauled by dogs and it was just horrific to hear um, on the heels of the murder of Angelo Quinto, we had to implement a policy, which I was happy to work on, to end chokeholds that could lead to asphyxiation. It was 
potentially one of the strongest policies in the Bay Area. And all my colleagues on council, and when I say all, I mean all, butchered that policy in front of the public and took us and made it weak, weakened the policy so that the behavior could potentially continue. And so when we talk about accountability, we need to start there too. And then we've got this Morteza Amiri. Can you talk about what we have learned about his utilization of his canine dog, Percy? It is, it's, it's, it's weird, right? Because we, I knew about it because I also heard about an incident in Brentwood where a young lady for petty theft was scalped by a dog. And my first initial reaction was, is that the way they're supposed to be using these, these, these canines? And, you know, the council is responsible in most cases for settling lawsuits as a result of dog bites in this city. And I wasn't aware, but when it came out, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised because these um, animals are being used as weapons against the community and historically against black communities. And we probably need to think differently about um, our policies around the use of canines in Antioch. I mean, at one point, this, this dog bit so many people in such a short period of time, it was removed from the canine lineup. Absolutely. You know, I engaged with a community member who was a former police officer, and I said, you know, why did they allow him to take the dog home with him when he went on leave? And this individual said, probably because no one else can control the dog. And I asked him, I said, so what happens to this dog? Like, this dog cannot come back to the department. And he said, he said, you know, it might, should potentially be put down because it won't be useful anymore in the way that it's been used against the community. Um, it's, it's just outright disgusting. These cops that are charged with these crimes, they sent all sorts of people to jail. What happens to these cases? Are folks coming home? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The public defender's office has been um, working with the district attorney's office to look over cases, any cases, any arrests, any information that was taken from these officers to incarcerate individuals. You know, when I read the text message um, hearing that, you know, office, you know, officer, I believe, Amiri was giving information to an officer in Brentwood how to falsify documents to be able to you know, detain people and send them to jail. And that's nothing new because I've I've had that happen to me and my family here in Antioch, like fraudulent felony charges. Um, Then when the felony charges don't stick, misdemeanor, then casting a misdemeanor charge, hoping that that sticks. So since I have direct experience with that, um, also a police chief, you know, our former police chief, Tammany Brooks, tampering with supposed independent investigation language to relieve his officers from any accountability. We don't know how how deep um, this really goes. Cases are currently being dismissed as we speak. And what I've impressed upon the community is that these individuals are supposed to, quote unquote, protect and serve the community. But by way of their actions, individuals who have also done harm to the community um, may not may face little to no accountability. But what I do know is to these individuals, I would say to take this as a a second chance and an opportunity um, to do something different. 
um, as they come back. And for those who had cases falsified against them, you know, they should seek justice in their own right. That's exactly where I was going to go next. You mentioned that city council is is the body that has to deal with lawsuits and settling them and taxpayers pay for this. Are you all bracing yourselves for a wave of lawsuits for these folks that were sent to jail illegally? You know, I would I would say, you know, absolutely. I mean, we, we should be ready. We should be, you know, prepared. I mean, if folks are not, then I would say that they aren't paying attention um, I don't know how prepared we could possibly be for the full fallout because, like I said, you know, we we don't know how many lives have been damaged as a result of the behavior of these officers or how many individuals can now come to the city um, with their cases, and, and we're preparing for a lot of that uh, right now. I would say that this council in the past should have not settled on a lot of these lawsuits and allowed these officers their day in court. And because you pay, it's like paying to play. They just know that they're gun. They have their back by insurance. They're not going to lose their jobs. They're going to give people pennies on the dollar to go away and still traumatize the community. I think it's un- unfortunate. Tamisha, do you have a handle on what exactly they've uh, the charges are against these cops? Well, current—I mean, currently the, you know, we we've kind of known a little bit initially when things came out about, you know, falsifying academic um, achievements to be able to gain higher pay, um, you know multiple um, civil rights violations, drugs, you know, steroids, you know, violence against the community. The list goes goes on and on. And so um, I think we won't get a a clear clear picture of all that has been done until this thing is wrapped up. Tamisha, as a victim of state violence, as a formerly convicted person, and now a city council member, what do you hope comes out of all of this? I hope what comes out of all of this is that, you know, I, I said in our earlier statement that we have an unprecedented opportunity to reimagine, you know, public safety in the city of Antioch and re- reinvest um, our public dollars into ideas that really contribute to the safety of our communities. I hope that my colleagues on council um and we do have an election so anybody coming in um comes in thinking about how do we move forward and not go backwards my biggest fear however my hope is that we can move forward and center our communities who are most vulnerable in public policy my fear is that there are so many people who blame the people of color on council for what's happening with the police department right now that that we can we we can go backwards and that's that's my fear that's actually one more thread i want to tug in before um i close out this interview you talked about the sentiment of some antioch residents that are basically saying you know these criminals and that's code word for black are moving here can you talk about the role of you know, gentrification, pushing black folks to cities like Antioch, um, diversifying the community and the type of racist sentiment that has been sort of undergirding 
all of this, including policing policy and practice? I think what I've what I've been observing myself is that people in Antioch are okay with diversity as long as it doesn't mean poor people or homeless people, (laughs) formerly incarcerated people. Um, In most cases, immigrant, um, non-English speaking um, people. I mean, I've had conversations, you know, low income, Section 8 people. I mean, the list goes on and on about who they won't accept. Um, And and the only people who they will accept of people of color or black people are those with their backs bent. And I think um, those of us who have the will to stand up straight and challenge this ideology are the ones who are targeted aggressively and tried and 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 people have made threats to run me and my family out of town you know it just threatening violence and everything to make sure that diversity only includes who they see as malleable to you know to white proximity or proximity of them feeling comfortable or safe and you know, it's 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 been challenging because, you know, we've had people in leadership that have played that role for so long. Um, it's not something you can keep up. And once you do decide to stand up straight, then the entire, not the entire community, but those who are more aggressively leading with white supremacist bigoted ideology um, turn on you very quickly. All right, Tamisha Torres-Walker, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Um, Thank you for always reporting the truth. And um, keep your eyes on Antioch. Oh, yes, (laughs) ma'am. Tamisha Torres-Walker is the Antioch City Council member representing District 1 here on Law and Disorder. I am your host, Kat Brooks. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show, including the video of the live stream press conference. Shout out to the Full Circle crew, Miss M, the executive director, and me, Free Will and Franklin. I'm the technical director for this show, Full Circle, and I've also been your host tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone. Oh,